This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, A People's History premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. Hi, this is Felix. Before we start the show this week, let me ask you to do me a solid. Show your support for Alt Latino and your local NPR station by going to donate.npr slash altlatino. That's donate.npr slash altlatino. You give directly to your local station, but you tell them that Alt Latino sent you. We all win, and these days, that's not a bad thing. Thank you so much. <laughs> From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. It's that time of the year. Time to look back and consider the music that moved us this year. A year unlike any others, and one we hope never has to be repeated. It was a year of the weight of the pandemic and its associated losses and heartbreak, not to mention the emotional upheaval of spontaneous street demonstrations calling for social justice around the country. Latin musicians in our corner of the music world produced music that reflected the times and also helped us cope. A lot of the music released earlier this year was made well before the pandemic, but it seemed to answer a call for solace and contemplation, while some of it was produced in direct response to current events during this hectic year. There is lots to consider, and of course, I couldn't do it all by myself. I welcome back the alt-Latino contributor crew of musical experts. Marisa Arbona Ruiz. Saludos. Great to be here. Catalina Maria Johnson. And hello. Hello from Chicago. And Stephanie Fernandez. So good to be here. Thank you all for joining me on Zoom. Okay, let's get right into the music. My first pick is the album Espiral by emerging Afro-Cuban jazz fusion duo out of Toronto called Ocan. And they are violinist Elizabeth Rodriguez and percussionist and music director Magdali Savinia. They also sing and harmonize beautifully. This title track is their interpretation of an Eastern Cuban Guajira infused with chants, and uh, they've included Cuban legends Roberto Riveron on bass and Miguel de Armas on piano. It's just beautiful. Here is the title track, Espiral. Okan means heart in the Yoruba language used in Santeria faith. They play from the heart and they're on a mission to support their Cubano musician community. And this is their second album that they have spent three years on in the making back-to-back with their first album called Sombras. And this showcases original compositions and a few covers with original arrangements of jazz fusion with danzón, merengue, and even Turkish folk, if you can imagine that. 
Coincidentally, they found out the chant was dedicated to San Lazaro and has a relation to the Babalu Aye, who was exiled from his homeland and started over in a new land. So for them, it has an extra special meaning because they started over as immigrants. It's an amazing track, and I think the interplay between a violinist and a percussionist, both women, really gives it a very special and fresh feel. That was the title track, Espiral, from the group Okan. And I got to say that I'm a very, very big fan of that band as well. Okay, Catalina, you're up next. What album did you choose? Here's an album by an artist that I've loved for some time, Gabriel Garzón Montano, and it's the album Aguita. And this track is called Someone. I love you like when we began. Friends, loves, friends, loves, and... Now you got yourself a man I've been busy making other plans You put it on me now and then He's a sweetie, kinda understand I cooked and lit the candles, man I thought that we were doing it again It's so to have heard his previous album, which is his first, you might not recognize some of what's happening on the second. He's got a very fascinating background. He is born in New York, but his father is Colombian, and he's got deep, deep Colombian roots, and a French mother who is a classical musician. And in this album, he specifically sets up three characters or three personas. Um, one which is like a leading man, debonair, soulful kind of person. The other is an emotive, <laughs> a melancholic, experimentally impressionist. And the other is kind of Latin trap hit maker type. And so there's genres for everybody on this album. And he's combining R&B, funk, soul, hip-hop, and each song is its own little kind of gem. I love the fact that he doesn't fear anything. He's fearless, and I think it's kind of an example of sometimes an artist that just refuses to be categorized and refuses to say, I am, you know, X kind of person, I am X kind of artist. So this is one of my favorite artists, and I think this album is a very special uncategorizable album someone do let just forget the world hey and forget the world i needed you i don't know what to do oh i needed you 
That was the track Someone from the artist Gabriel Garzon Montano. That was Catalina's first pick for our favorite albums of 2020. I was really mesmerized by him on his performance at LAMC's online uh, concert this year. I, I felt that he was just so powerful and it was it was stunning. So great pick, Catalina. Okay, moving on. Let's see, Stephanie, you're up. What do you have? Yes, my next pick was an amazing discovery for me this year. This is Salamanca by Sexores. They're a band that's based in Mexico City, though they're from Quito, Ecuador. And this is their fifth album. And it's, they call it a pagan celebration. And it's dark wave, goth, ambient. And it features a lot of sounds that are pretty scary and hard to pin down. It's kind of like watching a horror movie in sound. And the themes of the album came out of this deep research project of examining throughout history and in cultures across the world, the ways that women have been demonized and subjected to violence and the excuses for doing so. Of course, um, particularly in the themes of witchcraft and brujeria around the world in different folklores and different cultures, but also kind of looking at the place that women occupy in mythologies and cultural memory and the occult and how women carry pain and carry memory. What it sounds like is it sounds like a, like you're going through dungeons in a video game and, and the next level you get deeper and deeper and you can just go so intricately into the sounds that they create. It's really impressive. A song that really stood out to me, Nos lo dijo la serpiente, refers to biblical imagery of you know the snake in the Garden of Eden and Eve and the fruit and all of that. But the lyric that the, that the song closes on is todo lo que brillara Nos lo dijo la serpiente. Todo lo que brilla dentro de mí, se lo debo a la ofidia. What that line means in English roughly is, you know, everything that will shine, as the snake told us, everything that shines within me, I owe it to the serpent.
That was the band Sexores, and their album is called Salamanca, and that was Stephanie Fernandez's pick. You are listening to Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. We're going over some of our favorite albums of 2020. My pick is next. My top pick for the year was called Inside by the artist Equis Alfonso from Cuba. You know, I think that he's a visionary, and he's consistently put out music over the years. Inside is the name of his record, and what he did was release one track a month. But you have to take the album as a whole because then you can connect the dots between the genres and styles and messages and it flows like a musical storybook. And it gives an in-depth look at why I think he's a visionary. This track is called No Se Puede Pensar Como Prisionero. This is X Alfonso in the album Inside. El mundo está revuelto y quiere Vista y fe primero. 
That was my pick for one of my favorite albums of the year, X Alfonso with Inside. Next up is an album that everybody agreed on. All four of us agreed on. So let's take a little bit of time to talk about this. The album's called Miss Columbia. Let's start with Marisa. What did you like about this record? What didn't I like? <laughs> uh, it's creative and beautifully performed. It's also deep and transformative. I was really fascinated by the way she inhabits an empowered mood with a layer of crescendoing ooze behind her more reflective eyes. She takes us on a journey of self-love that embraces her Afro-Indigenous Colombian identity and feminine power. And by the way, the album was just nominated for a Grammy for Best Latin Rock Urban or Alternative Album. That crazy category that mixes all those genres together. Wow, this this was my album of the year. I think there's, I think we could devote an entire show to discussing just this album, but I'll keep it short. I really love that this album is just a subversion of so many types of beauty that we're taught to value in Latin America. I think it's so special how she took this very specific moment um, that she's pointed to as the inspiration for writing this record, which was the 2015 Miss Universe pageant, uh, when Steve Harvey mistakenly announced that the winner of the pageant uh, was Miss Colombia instead of Miss Philippines, and then the ensuing kind of outcry in the in the Colombian media that happened, and so much of that backlash was really racist and inflected with a lot of the issues surrounding national identity that Lido explores in this album. In particular, I really loved that she focuses on place. So much of the album takes place in San Basilio de Palenque, and her collaborations with the group Sexteto Tabala I thought were so special um, and deserve a lot of focus. Wow, there is so much to say about this album. I totally agree with Stephanie. We could spend at least one show on it, um, and then another one just on Lido herself. <laughs> I think she brings to her music the fact that she is also a visual artist. She draws and paints, and this album... I loved because she somehow brought in, in that whole topic of identity, her own Afro-Colombian as well as Wayu indigenous background into play. And the San Basilio de Palenque reference, which Stephanie uh, also referred to, Palenques were communities that were created by escaped enslaved persons. And that music and that history and that legacy was kept alive. I just find that also powerful. The imagery is powerful her ability to really kind of root and then at the same time be at the vanguard, like be super experimental and kind of out there and a voice that can do that too, um, sing quite traditionally and then also just kind of float into the other in a very kind of experimental way. It's a very um, amazing album and I think rightfully so <laughs> made the top of everybody's list this year here and this uh, this group and many others <laughs> we're going to play the track nada featuring lee salmet from the album miss columbia from lido pimienta
That was Nada featuring Lisa Met from the album Miss Columbia by Lido Pimienta. We're going to keep going talking about our favorite albums from 2020. Marisa, you're up next. What do you have? Okay, so I think this year I had Cuban fever. <laughs> First of all, I chose Ocan. My second pick was Orquesta Failde's album called Failde con Tumbao. It really grabbed me this year because they have this big band danzón style. And they also incorporate mambo, salsa, jazz, and timba. And I was just gripped by both their musicality and their vocals, which were off the charts. This album was very deservedly nominated for a Latin Grammy in the Best Tropical Traditional Album category. And they also have a little history, too. The band's leader and flute player is Etiel Failde, and his great-great-grandfather is Miguel Faile, who is associated with creating the danzón. So Etienne is very passionate about keeping this music alive and presenting it to younger generations, along with other forms of Afro-Cuban music like this mambo. From Orquesta Failde's album Failde con Tumbao, here's the track Tumbao. Floreció, 
that was Orquesta Faile. And I got to say, you know, when I was in Havana last January, I took some time and sat down with Ethiel Faile, and he is so dedicated to preserving and presenting this music, like you said, to the younger generations. And it's in very, very good hands. Um, so thank you for bringing that track in, Marisa. I got to say, as, as a, the, the Cuban on the panel, I love how much Cuban music made it to this year's list. <laughs> I love Orquesta Faile. And I got to shout out, I think my favorite lyric in this song is, con chaqueta o con disfraz, la costura bien cubana nadie la puede negar, which is basically... In, with a jacket or in a disguise, you know, the, the needlework of, that is very Cuban, no one can negate it, I'm, which basically means, like, the, the cut of a real Cuban, no one can deny. And I, I, I love that spirit. Okay. Moving on from our collective love for uh, Cuban music, we're going to move to Catalina's next track, which takes us to the Dominican Republic. Catalina, what do you have? This is Rita Indiana, who I've been a huge fan of for the longest time, and first as a novelist, as a writer. And then she moved in from writing and literature into music very briefly about 10 years ago. In 2010, she came up with El Juidero, and I'd never heard anything like El Juidero. Then she moved away. She said, I'm, I'm dropping music. And I mean, I wanted to cry. <laughs> it was like, no, please don't. Uh, moved away from music for a decade, returned to writing novels. And she finally came back to music with this album. And it's called Mandinga Times. Now, the song I chose, I chose also because it has a literary reference. So I've been a huge fan of Jorge Luis Borges from Argentina for some time. And... This is a song based on a story called El Zair, which is about literally sort of what happens when you become addicted, uh, metaphorically addicted and, and attached to coins, to money. And she takes it post-punk. She brings in Gaga, which is an Afro-Dominican rhythm. And uh, it's very popular in Batay communities, which are rural communities of sugarcane workers in the Dominican Republic. And somehow she brings in a Norwegian musician. Trust me on this one. It's a fascinating track. The album is fascinating. This is the track El Sair, and the album is Mandinga Times by Rita Indiana. Allá en los patios por el lado del aljibe El fantasma de un bucanero que ahí vive 
enseña Busca la pala para que cuando la luna Se ponga oscura como sangre cuaja Ahora muero yo para sacar la botija Que todos mis muertos a mí me tienen guarda I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are already big fans of Rita Indiana, so it's good to see her this year on with a new record and then included on this list. So thank you for bringing that in, Catalina. Okay, Stephanie, you're up next with one of the most visible albums of the year, let's say. Yes, it's a little album called Yo Hago Lo Que Me Da La Gana. Ever heard of it? <laughs> By Bad Bunny. Oh, that rings some bells. <laughs> yes, this album... If we can remember back to February on Leap Day when it came out before the year devolved into the year we've had, the way this album shook the world is hard to overstate. It was the first of three surprise albums that Bad Bunny dropped this year, and it's my personal favorite, though there's something really special in all of them. He dropped his third on Thanksgiving night, El Ultimo Tour del Mundo, and while there's something wonderful to love about each of his albums, this one really feels like it's been in the works for the length of his career. It's an album that was trying very specifically to recall the original sound of old-school Puerto Rican reggaeton before this genre was massively co-opted by the Latin pop industry, before you heard a reggaeton backbeat in every song. And he features, you know, a set of really excellent collaborations featuring Daddy Yankee, Joel Randi, Niengo Flo, Yavia, and more. I really think it was such a special statement to recall a history that has actually been widely demonized by Latin music, you know, Reggaeton was criminalized in Puerto Rico several times and elsewhere in Latin America. And so much of its history as a genre has been in response to widespread racism and classism. This album is a real celebration of Bad Bunny's childhood in Puerto Rico, of working class Puerto Rico, and the Marquesina parties that were the spiritual locus of this whole album. We'd love to play the music for you, but for legal reasons, we can't. So we will just collectively express our appreciation for the phenomena and the musical genius, I think, of Bad Bunny from this record. 
his new record that was released, like you said, on Thanksgiving, and just stuff that he generally touches. I'm, I really have a lot of respect for this guy. Sapphire is too powerful. It will break the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we should also say that when this came out, this became the highest charting all Spanish language album ever in the history of the Billboard 200, a record that's now been broken by his new album, El Último Tour del Mundo, which is the first all Spanish language album to sit at number one on that chart. With those kind of numbers, it reflects that it's just not the Spanish language market that's listening, which is vast. But in order to have that kind of success on the the mainstream charts, you got to have people listening from other that speak other languages and from other demographics. And it just speaks to the universality of, of him as an artist. And the artistry. All hats off for bad money. Okay, thanks for bringing that in, Stephanie. And next up, we're going to go to an album uh, that we all agreed on. This is Un Canto por México, Volume 1 by Natalia Laforcade. It is a tribute to her roots from uh, Veracruz, Mexico. And she zeroed in specifically on the Son Jarocho style of music from that part of the world. Who wants to jump in and talk about this? Son Jarocho. That's what I love so much about it. It's also a benefit album that raises funds for the CDSJ, the Son Jarocho Cultural Center in her home state of Veracruz, Mexico. And it features an all-star lineup of guest artists, including some of our Latino faves, Jorge Drexler, Mon Laferte, and Café Tacuba. All the songs are exquisite. All I have to say is that it takes a special kind of genius to be able to transform your own previous recordings and your own previous songs the way that Natalia Laforcada did on this record. I think it's just stunning. I don't know how she does it. She brings in on some very subtle level, kind of a fresh, I would say indie kind of sensibility. They're not covers at all. They're somehow managed to hold on to the integrity of the tunes and yet seem all of a sudden fresh again. There's not a song on this album that doesn't continue to amaze even after you put it on repeat. Right, it's it's exquisite, everything's exquisite. And, And she has that gift of being able to see into those songs and pull in the right musicians and pull in the right harmonies, the right vocals, the right instrumentation to do that, to make it fresh like that. And we should also point out that Natalia Laforcade comes from a very, very pop background. And her last two records before this were also explorations of folk music. So she's reinventing herself and her sound by digging deep into uh, Mexican folk music. You can't go wrong with this record. Un Canto por México, Volume 1. Again, for legal reasons, we can't play any music on the show. So you can find it on streaming services, and we encourage you all to go look for the record. Natalia Laforcade, Un Canto por México, Volume 1. Before we close out the show, let me go around the table, the virtual table here on Zoom, and ask each one of you, what were your impressions of the year in music from your particular perspective based on what's going on with the virus, what's going on with social justice movements. What were your impressions in Latin music this year? Going around the table, let's start with you, Catalina, very quickly. Wow, that's a big question. Well, I'm not sure if it was because music provided such solace this year with all the difficulty, and also it was responsive to the times, whether it was the coronavirus or the lockdowns or uh, George Floyd's murder in some way. Music seemed incredible this year. I was like, my gosh, how can there be so much amazing music? So I'm not sure if it was my listener perspective 
that I needed amazing music or, but I think it also was, I think artists always respond to the times. They always, they're fluid in that way. They're picking up whatever's happening around them and then they are crafting it into their own expression. So the music that was being released this year, a lot of it was extremely extraordinary to me. I couldn't stop marveling at the eclecticism of our world, everything that we can claim as nuestra música, and I'm going to claim it all. <laughs> um, there's like some music that's maybe more my sister or my half-sister, and then there's music that's more my cousin, but there's music that's more like my great-great-great-grandfather. Uh, but hey, um, it's all a part of our musical DNA, and the way it all played out this year was quite extraordinary. Marisa? Ooh, well, first of all, this year was just jolting in so many ways, and there was so much angst that I was moved more by the heart-centric music that was flowing out of musicians and the social justice music. I always say this music is the song of the heart, and we've come to this point in humanity where we're at a, a crisis, a crisis of the soul, and music is going to help us transform and is helping us transform that. And music is always there present in these times that are so transformational. And I, I will add that, you know, that is why musicians are always targeted by very negative political forces, historically so, because artists speak from the heart and artists move people from that point of the heart. So everything that resonated with me was something that was going to lift the spirit and also give the message in a way that that wasn't so much angry, but that was heart-centered. Stephanie, your thoughts? Man, it's been, it's been a hard year. I think I have to confess that so much of this year I spent not thinking about music, but when I did listen to music, I wanted to come to music that would be healing or in some way tear at the pageantry of the music industry or at the veneer that everything's okay. So much of my favorite music this year had a hand in participating in the creation of a better world. And I hope we'll be able to see that intentionality a lot more going forward. I can't add very much to what you have all expressed just from the personal perspective and all the things that happened in my life this year and in the, what's going on in the world, I did turn to music to sort of help me understand what was going on in the world and what the world's trying to tell us with all the, all the things that came up this year, but also to remind us that the power of music and the power of these musicians that we cover, like one of you said, I'm just astounded at their ability to create even amidst all this stuff. Now, granted, some of this music was recorded before the lockdown, before the pandemic, but still, like some of the stuff that came out afterwards, the resilience and the, the powerful message of the music itself is, is something that astounds and help us cope and get through the unknown. I mean, there's so much to say. We could, you know, obviously dedicate a whole show to it, but it's nice to be able to look back at the year through some of our favorite records and what they meant to us and so I really appreciate you all taking the time to really dig down deep and look at everything that came out this year and pull aside some of your favorites. Again, thank you, Marisa Arbona Ruiz, Catalina Maria Johnson, and Stephanie Fernandez. Thank you all for joining us here on Alt Latino for our look back at the end of the year. Thank you for having us. Really always wonderful. 
Thank you, Felix. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Felix. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure to share the music. And uh, stay tuned for next week when we talk about our favorite songs. And we're going to close with another one of my favorites. This is a group called Ghetto Cumbe. They are from Colombia. It's from uh, one of my favorite labels, ZZK, down in Argentina. It's a little-known group. It's a trio of Colombian musicians. But it caught my attention because it's percussion-heavy, duh. uh, And it straddles folkloric and futuristic music. And it's innovative in their use of all the elements of their collective experience in Colombia. And we're going to end with the track Vamos a Darle Duro from Ghetto Cumbe. What a year. Fortunately, we have music to help us get through this. And as you know, I say this every year, but it bears repeating. This collection of albums and the selection of songs coming next week is the soundtrack that I and our alt-Latino contributors leaned on heavily this year. There are plenty of other recordings that caught our ear over the year, and I would encourage you to go back and check out our playlist and the podcast to see what some of that music was. This has been Alt-Latino from NPR Music. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Felix Contreras. Please be careful out there, folks. Claro todo, con mi chamaco, donde vivo yo, yo quiero crecer, tengo ya familia, yo quiero una vida, porque otra no hay, porque otra no hay.
This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com slash NPR. This is my voice. I can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on Black experiences. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. 